0: We're reading from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 25, which can be found in your church Bibles on page 1,172. That's page 1,172. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit.
1: Thanks very much. Uh, This is the second in a series of three sermons on the fruit of the Spirit, just in verse 22 there. So last week, if you're here, uh, you may remember we were looking at love, joy and peace Tonight's forbearance, kindness and goodness. uh, Because next week is one of the uh, first Sundays of the month in evening service, we'll be uh, looking at uh, prayer once more. So in two weeks time, we'll finish off and look at Uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, uh, with in mind the fact that we're going to look tonight at forbearance, kindness, and goodness, let's pray and ask God to make this real to us now as we turn to his word. Father, please would you speak to us. Please help us to understand this rightly. And we pray, Lord, very much that understanding it rightly, you you may burn into our hearts a real passion for you to develop and to grow these three aspects of this one single bunch of fruit into our hearts and lives, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, we've seen, and uh, over the last couple of weeks, in fact, that the the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit that the Spirit grows in our lives, and uh, He does that. So we look at verse twenty-four. Uh, that's, this is really important. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And those, uh, those two verses there, they're outlining, uh, I think, really quite clearly uh, what we need to do in order for God, by his Spirit, to be growing this fruit in our lives. And there are three things. I mentioned this last week, and i said say it again now, and I'll say it in two weeks' time. There are three things that uh, uh, fall into place here. First is that uh, we need to belong to Christ Jesus. This is the fruit of the Spirit growing in our lives, uh, and the Spirit is in our lives when we're believers. So we need to recognize if we're Christians, we belong to Christ Jesus, and that's the first Uh, unalterable facts if we're going to have the fruit growing in our lives we need to belong to christ jesus so that's the first thing second and i'm going to come back to this at the end uh, is we need to have crucified the flesh or the sark so remember last week and the week before we weren't thinking it's not flesh as in flesh but we're thinking that flesh is the sinful nature uh, or we use the Greek word sarx, which is bit, sounds a bit more like what it is, the, uh, uh, our, our sinful nature, the, the nature that uh, dominated our lives before we became Christians. And this says here, those who belong to Christ Jesus, in other words, all Christians, have crucified the flesh, that is the sinful nature, the Sarks, with its passions and desires. So that's saying we've nailed it to the cross. And we're not any time going to pull those nails out and let it come down to the ground and then uh, let those acts and uh, that sinful nature revive. It's on the cross and there it is going to stay. And as it stays on the cross, then that is the second thing. We need to be Christians. We've nailed our sinful nature to the cross. And as that happens, then God, by His Spirit, will be working in our lives. The third thing is in verse 25. It says, Since we live by the Spirit or by the Spirit we live, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Uh, Or we could say, let us be aligned with the Spirit. It's the same idea, they're both military pictures, Uh, either on a parade ground, being lined up with the Spirit, as in, you know, nice straight rows and so on, or walking in step with the Spirit, so that as we uh, follow the Spirit's promptings in our lives for how we should be living, then we will be lined up with Him, we'll be keeping in step with Him, and He will uh, be gradually growing this fruit, all of it, in our lives. We're going to look at just three, forbearance, Kindness and goodness as we look at this uh, next part tonight. So uh, uh, looking at those three things and uh, here's the first one. Forbearance. Forbearance. Someone said that forbearance is the ability to put up with people you'd like to put down. But perhaps it might be helpful to have a slightly more helpful uh, look at what forbearance means. Because it, it's more than just kind of being patient with people. It's more than just putting up with them. So uh, here's the first one. It is putting up with people. It is long-suffering. I'll explain that in a minute. Um, but it's not. it doesn't seem, somehow seem awfully glamorous. But actually the fact is that there are times when we, you know, as Christian people, we do just have to put up with one another and with other people. So... Um, you know, as, as Christian people, as God works in our lives, forbearance is, is putting up with people when they're being selfish or unkind or if they're just frankly rude and not even knowing that that's what's happening. We just put up with them. Uh, we want to be putting up with people when... Say we're down at uh, Churchill Square just about to park in the, you know, the last place that's left and someone just slides in there before you and the forbearance putting up with people. It's being patient with people, not getting cross with them and so on. Uh, I don't know if you... Um, I, we don't seem to have uh, quiet coaches on Southern because, well, not many trains are there, But you know, I was on another um, um, thing on uh, Thursday going down to Devon and there's a quiet coach on Great Western. So most trains, long-distance trains, have quiet coaches. And uh, that's where you're quiet. Okay, that means you don't talk. You don't have conversations. You don't have a party. Uh, you don't answer your phone. All that sort of stuff. Okay, and uh, uh, and you know, forbearance is putting up with people who talk on a quiet coach of the train. Okay when you want to really get on with some reading and get some work done. Uh, it's, um, it's putting up with people who blank you. It's putting up with people whose kids are uh, 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 unruly. It's putting up with people who never reply to your emails. Hmm, yes, okay. And, uh, uh, and, you know, and frankly, it's very attractive, isn't it? When you see it in other people, when you know something happens to them. I remember when I was just in the process of becoming a Christian about... Uh, Oh, many, many years ago, 40-something years ago. And, uh, uh, and I was, uh, we're going in a, and, and someone, I've only just met this guy, he's a Christian guy, going off to a football match with him. And, uh, and we had a car load of us, and uh, something happened, some other driver cut him up or something, uh, and I loved the way he reacted to him. There was no kind of, uh, it was just love and kindness and patience and frankly putting up with this other driver uh, in South London who uh, did something that he shouldn't have been doing. And when you see it in other people, that's just very attractive, isn't it? And when you see it in other people, you're going to think, actually, Lord, I'd love to be like that. Please, would you grow that part of the fruit of your spirit in my life? Now, there are two words in the New Testament which are translated patience or uh, patience. Sometimes translated forbearance. And the one here, uh, which is why this version, the 2011, our church Bibles have translated forbearance. The old NIV, the original one, one we had before, translates it patience. But actually, this is a slightly better translation because uh, it actually means long-suffering. Now, long-suffering was, uh, uh, wasn't actually in the English language. And so a guy called Miles Coverdale uh, invented it when he translated the Bible for the first time when the whole of the Bible is translated into English. And in 1535, uh, he invented this word long-suffering. Now, it could be translated long-tempered, which is the opposite of short-tempered. I rather like that. Be long-tempered, okay? Or uh, these days we might say, well, someone's got a short fuse, but actually Christians, we need to have a long fuse. So you want to say, let's be long-tempered. Let's be long-fused. So is God by his Spirit growing your fuse? Is he giving you the opposite of a short temper? Is he growing your, your fuse towards those who aggravate you, towards those who frustrate you? Towards those who persecute you. Well, let's pray that he would. When we're, say, being persecuted, or you know, perhaps just goes on a little bit in the office or the, you know, in the classroom or whatever it would be, um, and it's unfair and unjust. But actually, to be long-suffering, to suffer long, is a good thing. And we pray that God will actually help us by His Spirit to be like that. And the next thing here—it's not just putting up with uh, people in long suffering—but the other thing we notice here about uh, um, about this first one, forbearance, is that it's long-lasting. We're in this for the long haul. God's at work by His Spirit in our lives for the whole of our lives. And forbearance means time. It means keeping on going, being like this. It's not kind of holding your temper for a week and then snapping next Sunday. But it's actually continuing being like this as something that's part of us. Apparently, um, uh, the Mona Lisa, when uh, Leonardo was painting it, apparently it took four years for him to paint her smile. Can you imagine the kind of keeping on going? I'm sure people said, haven't you finished it yet? I mean, surely it takes about a week, maybe a couple of days, maybe half an hour to do a smile. It took him four years apparently to paint the smile on the Mona Lisa and to get it right. He was working away there in Florence around about 1504, 5, 6, we're not quite sure the dates when it was painted. Well, would you have had the patience with that? And would you have had the long suffering with all the people who came in and, and would have complained to you about it that it was taking you so long? Surely, Leonardo, it can't take you this long to paint a smile, but it was worth it, wasn't it? An extraordinary achievement. Or well, Sir Isaac Newton, he spent eight years preparing a major work, and then and in his study one morning he found that his dog, his dog was called Diamond, and in his study one morning he came in to find that Diamond had knocked over a candle. And the flames had completely destroyed all the papers on his desk, including the entirety of the last eight works, eight years of this major work. How would you have reacted? Well, Sir Isaac Newton said this, Diamond, little do you know the labour and trouble to which you have put your master. And he sat down and started all over again. That's wonderful, isn't it? Lord, please would you help me to be like that, to have that forbearance in my life as well. May it be long-lasting. And it's also positive. Positive. So we want to say forbearance is not just resignation. It's not just saying, oh, okay, then get on with it and so on. But it's actually a positive. It sees the positive. It takes the opportunities for growth in the situations in which we find ourselves. It's kind of looking on the sunny side. So John Bunyan, for instance... Spent 13 years locked up in Bedford prison. But it seems to me he must have had rather a positive attitude to it because those 13 years, he used them rather well and he produced quite a well-known book. Probably the best-known book in the English language on the Christian faith. It's called Pilgrim's Progress. That's a pretty good use of 13 years in prison, isn't it? Uh, As he was uh, there for, uh, for his faith. He hadn't been a naughty boy. He was there for his faith, okay? And let's pray that we would see opportunities, the opportunities presented to us to uh, simply be positive uh, and to uh, use those opportunities as we uh, put up with a situation so we might find ourselves in. Let's pray that as we see forbearance in one another, we would love what we see and that God would help us to grow in that within our church family. So that's the first one, forbearance. The uh, second one we're looking at this evening is this. It's kindness. Kindness. And proper kindness is very attractive. This morning, I uh, told you a little bit about Mike Ovey. Mike Ovey was the principal of Oak Hill College in North London until this January, when... Age 58, he had a massive heart attack and died one Saturday night. Tragic. And it's fascinating that as I've read many tributes to Mike, almost every single one of them that I've read has made reference to his massive intellect and the way he had a razor-sharp mind. And they've all, I think probably every single one of them that I've read have also said this. Mike was a very kind man and those of us who know him would, uh, would certainly agree with that and can probably give us some, uh, uh, some examples of that specifically a very kind man the defin- definition of kindness is uh, an ability to serve others practically in a way which makes me vulnerable and yet doing it from an inner security Kindness. Mike was a great example. Lord, I'll never have his intellect, but please help me to be kind like he was. Kindness. Let's have a look at uh, kindness and service. Kindness and service. Uh, Matthew chapter 11 and verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, when Jesus talked about the yoke there, he was not talking about eggs. Okay? He was talking about the kind of yoke, which is uh, uh, it's a wooden thing that goes across your shoulders and if you were an ox, it would link you with the one next door so you could pull a plough, for instance. And and literally, when Jesus says here, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, actually literally he says, my yoke is kind. My yoke is kind. Now, when you see an animal wearing a yoke, you know that it's there to work. It's there to serve. Christians, we're here to work to serve. And actually, there are two aspects of this kindness. The first is that God is being kind to us to enable us to do this because it's good to us, good for us to be able to do that. And actually that service of other people is itself an act of kindness. We have the yoke of Jesus. He is kind to give that to us. And it will mean us as we're seeking to be kind to others, displaying that kindness. As J. John, the evangelist, said, wherever there are people, there is an opportunity for kindness. I think it would be a really good prayer One of the uh, to pray. One of the things I think we ought to be praying as God's people is, Lord, please give me an opportunity today and to pray this every morning that I might be able to say, to speak of Jesus to someone today. But also, wouldn't it be a good thing for us to be able to say, why not every day this week for a kickoff, please, Lord, give me an opportunity today to be kind to someone? Doesn't matter who, just to be kind to someone. Could you do that? And please give me the courage to take the opportunities that you give to be kind to someone. John Maxwell, a business guru, I was listening to a, a talk he gave. Uh, Uh, relatively recently and um, he was saying uh, that one of the things he does is every day he uh, he says uh, how can I add value to someone today which I think in some ways is basically saying how can I be kind to someone today how can I compliment someone today how can I encourage someone today how can I be kind to someone today I think it's amazing how the business world catches on to the Bible in the end. And, uh, uh, but I think that's a good thing. How could I, if you want to put it in business speak, how could I add value to someone today and to ask that every morning? Kindness and service. Then there's kindness and surrender. Kindness means that you're no longer the important one. The yoke that we wear shows who we serve. It shows, it shows the world who our master is. And our yoke is a yoke of kindness. A kindness which comes first from our surrender to God and asking him to grow us by his Spirit in our lives. So you've made that commitment to Jesus. You belong to him. You're no longer the centre of your world. That's gone. And you're off the throne. That's gone as well. So we ask Jesus by his Spirit to work in us, to help us to be kind, to help us to be like those people we know are kind, who we love and we respect, say, in our church family here, for their kindness to us. And then third, C, we'll slowing down to be kind. I guess we, uh, we all think we're busy people, and uh, I would guess one of the things that we may well say is, well, actually, I would love to have been kind to this person or that person, as I look back over the day, but I was too busy. I got too much on to be kind. And sometimes kindness just takes time. I'd love to have given them a lift to the station. I had something else on. I was too busy. I'd love to have been asked them in for a cup of tea. T- t- too much on. I was too busy. Well, let's be c- to be kind takes time. Time to grow the fruit, but time actually just simply to do the things that God is prompting us to do. Time where we could have been doing something else, but we'd probably been less productive anyway. So are we prepared to slow down and give it the time? We may want to talk about how we might be able to do that over coffee later on. How can we slow down in order to be kind? And then the third, forbearance, kindness. And then thirdly, goodness. That's quite hard to define. Instinctively, we know what it is, don't we? But it's kind of harder to lay our finger on it and to say, well, actually, no, that is what goodness is. The word's actually linked to integrity. It means Part of it means kind of being the same person in every situation, which is the opposite, of course, of being a hypocrite. And it comes from the heart, and it's a deep thing, and it says there on the screen, it's a God thing. It's a God thing because God is good. Goodness in thought and action uh, wells up from deep down in a heart which is being transformed by the Spirit of God. Matthew nineteen seventeen, Jesus said this, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one, with a capital O, who is good. And of course, Jesus, full of goodness himself, you can see it by his actions, can't you? The healings, the compassion on the widow of Nain in Luke 7 when she bumped into her son's funeral cortege. And it says there, his heart went out to her. And in his compassion, he raises her son from the dead. The uh, feeding of the 4,000, Mark chapter 8. It says that uh, Jesus had compassion on the 4,000 there. Goodness is a God thing. And we also need to say, sometimes you think, well, you know, someone will tell good. You know, you think, well, frankly, that therefore means it's equated to being rather dull. But we actually want to say, it's not dull at all. Some think it is, you know, goody two-shoes and so on. But no, it's not. It's attractive, it's magnetic, it's never dull. Someone with goodness in their life well, you're not going to expect a dull life. Because they will not be a dull person, because they will be a magn- you will be attracted to them. You will want to spend time with them. You want to talk to them in, over coffee after church. Think of Barnabas. A, actually, we'll get to Barnabas in just a moment. But he's a, he's a man of goodness. And yet, in Acts chapter 15, for instance, he got involved in a sharp dispute with the Judaizers there. Uh, there's a persecution. Persecution against Barnabas in sitting in Antioch in Acts 13, it was not a dull life. And Jesus, of course, was 100% goodness, wasn't it? And he hardly had a dull life, and he wasn't exactly a dull person, was he? When he walked this earth, and he's certainly not dull now. Goodness will never be dull. God working in our lives will never be dull. Uh, he will work in our life, he will make us by the Spirit bringing and developing this fruit in our lives, and that will make us uh, a very attractive person. But as I mentioned just now let 's think of Barnabas a good man sometimes it 's good to have a role model isn 't it And in the Bible, probably after Jesus, the one guy who the Bible would describe as being a good man was Barnabas. You can read about him in Acts chapter nine and Acts eleven to fifteen, and uh, no time for the detail. But uh, Barnabas lived with the kind of goodness that makes history and provokes opposition and develops resentment in other people. And possibly a summary of uh, Barnabas, well, not possibly, it's a a good summary in Acts 11.24. It says this, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Please, Lord. Make me like Barnabas. And would you please bring fruit in my life, the fruit of goodness, and the fruit also of many people coming to Christ, I pray. And then one final thing. One final thing, just at the bottom there. As uh, we pray for the Holy Spirit to grow this patience and kindness and goodness in our lives. Execution helped by the Spirit. We belong to Christ Jesus. We're committed to him. Now execute. So it's Galatians 5 there. Uh, In verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Have crucified it. That means it's on the cross now. We have taken part in an execution. Don't know if you know who this is? Any suggestions? No? It's a fairly old photograph. Does that give you a clue? No His name is Albert Pierpoint. Does that give you a clue? Her Majesty's executioner. Um, he carried out over 400 executions. Actually, there's a film about him called, I think it's called Pierpoint. Uh, he executed Lord hawhaw, Timothy Evans, and a load more. Now, the extraordinary thing is, you too are His Majesty's executioner. If you want to be uh, fertile land for the fruit to grow please never forget it. You are his majesty's executioner. Your old self the sarks your old nature is nailed to the cross and there it must stay. Don't take it down. Leave it there. Its habits, its temptations, just where they belong on the cross and dying. You are an executioner. Let's pray. Father, we pray that we may more and more fall in love with forbearance and kindness and goodness. And we pray, Lord, that more and more, by your Spirit in our lives, you would help us to remember that we are people who belong to Christ Jesus. Please, Lord, help us to remember that we are executioners of our old nature. Please, Lord, help us to keep in step with the Spirit. And Lord, please, would you grow forbearance, kindness, and goodness in all of our lives. For Jesus' sake. Amen.